Listen, I get it. You like saving in Bitcoin. But check this out. You can actually complement your HODL position by investing in Bitcoin startups. If you want additional upside and enjoy learning about angel investing, you should check out Lightning Ventures. Lightning Ventures is a great way to stack real equity in Bitcoin-only companies. They've invested in businesses you've heard about on this show, including Azteco, CrowdHealth, and Swan Bitcoin. And Lightning Ventures makes it easy to get started in the world of early stage investing. The minimum investment is only $1,000 per deal, and you only invest in the deals that make sense to you. So if you want to get a behind the scenes look at the startups you know and love, if you want a chance to support their growth, and if you want another opportunity to profit as the Bitcoin ecosystem develops, check out the 60 second application in the show notes to get started today in building a world that runs on better money. Welcome to the Business Bitcoinization Show, the show dedicated to helping you enrich your life and grow your business with Bitcoin, the hardest money on planet Earth. I'm your host, Josh Friedemann, and our guest today is Jaime Azurieta, who's a trained architect, preservationist, town planner, and local business owner. He's focused on creating solutions to help small business owners design their own in-store experiences, and he's the founder of Storefront Mastery, which helps local organizations make their downtowns legendary. And he's likely trying to orange pill a downtown near you. Now, today on the interview, we're going to be talking about low time preference and how it influences design, architecture, and your own town or city. I think you're going to enjoy this conversation, but before we get to our interview with Jaime, we have this week's Bitcoin Meetup Spotlight, and this week it's the Bakersfield Bitcoin Meetup in Bakersfield, California. The Bakersfield Bitcoin Meetup is a friendly bi-weekly gathering lengthwise brewing company. The brewery accepts Bitcoin, which allows members to learn how to use Bitcoin to purchase goods and services. The co-hosts Gabe and Jesse are knowledgeable and willing to help answer any questions. Jesse's company, Well Rehabilitation Services, sponsors the meetup by providing everything from appetizers, hats, and books, which are a part of their revolving library, to cold storage devices and anything he can buy with Bitcoin. Join them for great conversation about Bitcoin and the freedom it brings. You can follow them on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok, and Instagram at Baco Bitcoin. And if you're not in the Bakersfield, California area, but are interested in attending a meetup near you, I encourage you to download the Oshi app. Oshi is great for a number of reasons, but one of the things it has is a map that has all of the Bitcoin meetups across the United States and even in different places around the world. So anytime you open up the app, you can find the Bitcoin meetup nearest to you. Now, we're going to get to our interview with Jaime right after this. Business owners, unlock the benefits Bitcoin has to offer your business with the Bitcoin for Business Quick Start Guide. This 27-page guide highlights the six ways you can grow your business with Bitcoin. Check it out in the show notes. Jaime, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Josh. I'm very happy to be here. So I like to start off every single interview with a few questions that help us to get to know you a little bit better and give us some insight for our own lives. Are you ready for these? Of course. When and how did you first learn about Bitcoin? Okay, this was a long time ago. It was uh, 2012. Um, I had a friend, he came over and he's like, dude, you have to try this new digital currency. That's what we, that's what we knew back then. I said, yes, sure, why not? Here's 500 bucks, get me some. And he did. And you can imagine that at that time, 500 bucks was a lot of Bitcoin. 
And I would love to say that I lost it in a tragic boating accident or a safari, but I actually lost it at Mount Gox. So um, those Bitcoin might be somewhere at this point. So I came back to Bitcoin in the summer of 2016. And then I, um, it's, it, it's, it's been an you know, up and down journey from then. The two bear markets, two bull markets, it's, uh, it's been interesting. And then I was having a few health issues. I had a, you know, a fatty liver. I was, I, was, I was overweight. I wasn't feeling well. And I met a friend and he's like, so you have to try carnivore. And, and I did. I started with the, with the carnivore diet. And then I started my company, Store for Mastery, working with small businesses and looking into how the, how the economy impacts small businesses. And there was a point probably in 2018 where everything clicked together and everything has been treated in the same way during the 20th century. So that's, I guess, my, my becoming a maxi kind of, uh, kind of moment was then when I, when I realized that every, every problem that I saw happening everywhere was the same problem. It was someone up there trying to replace things that happen normally between people and replace them with something that they invented. So I guess that's, that has been my, my Bitcoin journey. And, uh, and yeah, I've been all in on Bitcoin since probably 2018. What's an insight or fact about Bitcoin that you wish that everyone understood? The one that I, the, the, the one that I wish everyone understood is that it's, it's not a currency. It's a mindset. Mm. When you are thinking about Bitcoin in Bitcoin terms, you start to understand the world, so many things about the world in such a specific manner that relates so well to good nutrition, to good health, to good cities, to uh, good architecture, to good everything. So uh, I guess that's that's the number one number one spot that it's not a currency. It's more of a mindset. And when you adopt the mindset, everything begins to change for the better. What's the Bitcoin resource that you most recommend to other people? You know, Swan Bitcoin, they have I think it's called the Bitcoin Canon. I, I believe it's like a section of their website where they have every single conceivable resource that you might want and they have their own tutorials about what bitcoin is what bitcoin does how bitcoin can you know improve so many aspects of our lives so i think that is the number one resource that i direct everyone to is the 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 canon that uh, that swan bitcoin has put out there so beyond Bitcoin, speaking from your experience as a business owner, what is a resource or an idea that's been helpful to you or your business recently? The fact that with Bitcoin, so many components of the current pricing and structure of businesses will change because you will start to see things in a longer term. You will start to see things with a lower time preference. And so... What you build is not supposed to last you six months and then we'll get another one. What you build has to be strong enough and sturdy enough and solid enough and, and long-term enough so that it will last longer. What happens is you start building products, you start building solutions that are not 
simple solutions that will fix little things of businesses, but they are more of long-term solutions that involve a change in mindset. And this is also something that relates to what I was talking before. I mean, it, when you start th- seeing things with a, with a lower time preference, the, the mindset of the business owner changes. It stops being a fast business. It stops being a fast food or a fast fashion or a fast anything business and starts being a business that lasts. So you are not you are not creating or selling things that, you know, cheap things. You start creating and selling things that will last. And so you are not betting on selling 2000 this year and then 4000 next year and then 10000 next year. You are betting on selling something that goes beyond that. You're you're selling the use that your 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 products will have you're selling the benefits that your products will have you're selling the 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 gain and the value that your product products are adding and this i think is incredibly useful for for especially for local businesses because their their main business is not what they're selling their main business is building community because that's mm. how they achieve if if they create uh, a strong enough context, that is where they can do the best business at that scale. Mm. If they start growing, that's a different story. But at the hyper-local scale, this is where they do the best business, when when they have stronger communities. So that's their main their main uh, uh, objective, let's say, to build community. And you, you cannot build community if you're not you know, thinking long-term, thinking low-time preference. And now we have our final, what we call our arbitrary but insightful question, and it's this. As a general life principle, is it better to ask why or why not? Why not? I think if you ask why, you're starting with a doubt. If you ask why not, you're starting with the guts. And in my experience, it's, uh, it's, it's much better to go with your gut. It's much better to... Uh, it's much better to ask the questions later when you feel like something should be done then. Go ahead and do it. Meet Linkster, your premier Bitcoin-focused advisor. Linkster caters to businesses, institutions, family offices, and high net worth individuals. They merge your unique financial goals and needs with Linkster's Bitcoin expertise to craft your own sustainable plan to preserve and grow the value of your hard-earned profits and retained earnings. At Linkster, it's not just advice, it's tailored execution. Connect directly with the founder by visiting Linkster.com. That's L-Y-N-C-S-T-E-R. Dot com Linkster. Secure your future with Bitcoin. Today's episode of Business Bitcoinization is proudly brought to you by Vellus Commerce, where the future of business technology meets Bitcoin. As we journey through the era of Bitcoin and its transformational impact on businesses, there's one name that stands out. Vellus Commerce. Whether you're looking to build a cutting-edge website, a seamless mobile app, or custom software, Vellus is your go-to team. They've been diving deep into the world of Bitcoin since 2014, making them one of the most experienced groups for integrating Bitcoin and Lightning payments into a variety of digital platforms. But here's what truly sets them apart. Vellus Commerce doesn't just build. They bring a wealth of knowledge to ensure your project success from day one. Their team understands the nuances of Bitcoin, ensuring that your business stays ahead of the curve. And for all business Bitcoinization listeners out there, Vellus Commerce is offering a free consultation to kickstart your project the right way. So if you're ready to future-proof your business in the coming age of hyper-Bitcoinization, head over to VellusCommerce.com or reach out on Twitter at Vellus Commerce. Let's make sure your business thrives in the Bitcoin era. 
Well, Jaime, we're here today to talk about your business and how Bitcoin might influence architecture in the future and how small business owners should be thinking about that. So to start off, could you share with us a little bit, you know, you already shared with us your Bitcoin journey, but could you share with us a little bit more about your business, how that came about and what you're looking to do? Of course. So it's a it's it's been an interesting journey. It started when I went to architecture school. I was there for five years. I came out and I decided I will not have a boss. This is what typically architects do. They you know, get out of school and they go work for someone for three years. They get all the, their apprenticeships and then they get the license and then they open their practice. I decided I was not going to do that. And I started finding ways to practice without going through the normal channels. And this is, I guess, again, relates to whatever Bitcoiners do, right? Um, and so I began doing little things, little projects, mostly retail projects, a few residential projects. And then my family decided to open a business. We've had experience with uh, book selling for many years, and we finally decided to open a bookstore. I went and studied how to create bookstores. And when we opened, the, the process of being there and the process of seeing, this is my, my aunt who is a master bookseller, the process of, of seeing the business be built basically educated me on so many things that architecture cannot solve. So design is trying to solve all these problems, but most of those are not solved with design. Most of them are solved with steps prior to design, which are how you structure your business, how flexible you are, how much you're willing to concede, how much you're willing to, to cede maybe, to, uh, to keep looking for the outcome and not fixing on how you want to get there. So that flexibility essentially taught me much more than design had ever taught me. And then when I came to the U.S. in 2016, I'm originally from Ecuador, when I came to the U.S. in 2016, I, uh, I I was not going to pursue an architectural license. And I said, so what can I do? I, I've been working with uh, urban economic development for a long time. And I said, OK, so I'm going to use my, my knowledge of how small businesses work. And I'm going to use that to create tools for small businesses. So f the first thing I did, I used all that knowledge and I, I wrote a book which is called the 10 No BS Rules for a Successful Storefront Design. After that, COVID came and I started creating tools and solutions for small businesses who needed to reopen after being closed for such a long time. And those were designed to help them reconnect with their origin, reconnect with their initial inspiration and passion, and basically lower their time preference, right? And after those came out, I... My, my practice, which was originally just coaching on the design of the storefronts, started to be more of a coaching on the, on the functioning of the business. Since the first steps that people take in, in designing the structure of their business. So that's where I am now. My service includes sitting down and having almost like a therapy session with the business owners, talking about their business, talking about the origins, talking about their vision. And with that, making the, the, the recommendations that they need to maybe create new products, maybe, maybe create a new store design, maybe create new services, 
um, maybe pivot and do something completely different than they are doing and always look to the to the experience to the building and creation of a, of an, of a great customer experience or um, community building which is also something that that lowers their time preference. So you've mentioned lowering time preference a couple different times, and I'd like to hear from you a little bit about what that means. We've talked about it on the podcast already. It's something that Bitcoin encourages in people. It sounds like you're trying to help business owners develop that low time preference mindset, uh, but sometimes it may not necessarily include uh, talking with or working with Bitcoiners. So in, in a fiat world where high time preference is prioritized, how can you encourage low time preference thinking? And maybe once again, if you could just start off your answer by explaining how you would define low time preference. Of course, I will. I will use an example for that. In in old times, when we created architecture, we took some time. I say we, but I'm, I mean old architects. They took the time to design their buildings to the last detail. And they took the time to bring the most skilled craftsmen to create beautiful works of art. That naturally took time. It took a longer time than it normally would take if you had if you just you know mass produce things. They were unique buildings. They were unique solutions for the needs that the building owners had. And they have been unique, but also they have been flexible, which means those buildings have become beloved parts of their communities and they have been reused countless times and they have been adapted and changed countless times, but they retain their initial beauty. They retain their initial initial um, uh, functionality. So those buildings were created with a low time preference. They did not care, basically, how long it took them to create something fantastic. And they invested that time and they created something fantastic that is there to last for one, two, three, four hundred years. And that is what's happened. We have the most beautiful buildings in our cities. Those are the old buildings that have had time to become beloved monuments, as opposed to a high time preference, which is I need to build something right now, super fast, because I have this specific need. So... Let's say you need to put up a Halloween store which sells Halloween decorations and Halloween costumes. You open that store on the 30th of September and you close down that store on the 1st of November, right? It's been there for one month. You don't need it anymore. So you don't need to invest time, energy, and good materials. You just need a basic roof on top. And that is a high time preference. I need it right now and later, I don't care if it falls down, right? So the quality and the nobility of buildings that are designed and built with a low time preference implies that they will last longer and they will be beloved for a long time. Whereas if you do it in a high, high time preference, you need it right now and you really don't care how it looks and you really don't care how much how long it lasts. The fiat world, what it does is it encourages the high time preference because you live on debt you build your building with debt which you don't see the money you go to the bank and the bank says yes i will loan you this money and you go to the builder and you say this is what i need and the bank pays the builder you don't see the money but you see your accounts you know that have debt now 
and you need to start paying that debt as soon as possible. So the encouragement and the incentives are, let's do it fast. And after 27 years, I think, or 29 years, you'll be the, the building will be completely depreciated and you'll, you won't be able to write it off in taxes anymore. So you need a building that lasts that long. That's it. This is what you need because a penny more is a penny that you're not earning, right? It's been incredibly hard to orange pill individual business owners, but it's incredibly natural, organic, and easy to talk to them about low time preference. Not even mentioning the low time preference, but mentioning the time, the energy, the uh, the life that they have invested in on their in and on their businesses, and and they understand it completely because this is the process that most of them have been through. So it's very easy to have that as a first conversation. It's very easy to have that as a way of for for small business owners, for local business owners, to understand that sometimes even marking up products works on their benefit because the added value that they are creating is a community building value and they get more potential customers they get friendlier customers they get more repeat customers they get it's a completely different type uh, a way of doing businesses when they are thinking on the long term when they are trying to build something that will last for maybe one two three generations and some things that that you know the, the the fiat system incentivizes is that right now at this point i've seen so many local businesses that have older owners who are on the brink of retirement and they are not able to find people to take over their business because their children do not want to because they are working i don't know they're working in different companies they're working for a bank they're working for whatever and they're doing something that is not remotely related to the business so they are having trouble to find heirs for their business and this is something that when you when you start to have these conversations with uh, with with local business owners they see the and this is young business owners who are starting who are willing to for example purchase their own real estate they're willing to 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 build something that will last so they don't need to build it in two or three months they they are investing time and, 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 and sometimes a lot of resources in creating brands that, 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 that will last, in creating solutions that are long-term solutions, and essentially working in a low-time preference. So the conversation is, is much easier to have in those terms as opposed to, hey, let's adopt a Bitcoin standard. So Jaime, you have your pulse on at least a handful of different American towns. I know you pay attention to kind of the lifeblood of cities. I'd like to hear from you some of the things that you see that really encourage you, as well as some things you've maybe already hinted at some of these things that uh, give you pause or concern about the future of towns and cities. I will start with the pause and concern so I can end with a happy note. The The pause, of, uh, pause and concern is... There's so much fiat money that circulates through local governments, through state governments, through state agencies, through nonprofits that are that are focused on helping businesses do things really fast and really 
economically, let's say. And that, in principle, is very good for them because these business, if they have to spend, I don't know, there's a, there's a law I just learned of that was approved in New Jersey last, uh, in the last few months that says that the minimum business insurance that a local business must have is a $500,000 insurance. They need to have a half million dollar policy by law. And this, it may not even cost them $1,000 a year, but this may be super costly for a really mom and pop business that is a single ownership LLC where they don't even have a payroll because they are working themselves there. And and if you add the $250 that they have to pay to occupy the sidewalk with a, with a table and a couple of chairs, it's just the costs of regulation are, you know, compounding. And you know the difference between the simple and the compound interest, the cost of the regulations compound and it can be brutal for for very, very small businesses. So that is something that concerns me, that um, the, the fixes that are being created are fixes that help the businesses navigate the very complicated context that they have created themselves. So they're creating the problem and they are coming up with solutions that are very simple solutions of, I'll give you 2,000 bucks. And yes, it may be very helpful for a small business to receive $2,000, but this will not last long. It may help them with rent one month, but it will not help them with rent the next one. And so that is something that concerns me, that, that the focus is on creating patches, let's say, for, for big problems that we have, as opposed to looking at where the, the choking points of these compounding regulations are really hurting small businesses and how can we repeal, uh, modify, amend, or do anything that we can with these regulations so that the costs that small businesses have to operate can go down. That is something that is it's not even part of the conversation. I try to introduce it in conversation, but most of the times it falls on deaf ears because it's it's just the 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 incentive for the for the fast check that comes next month is completely different. That concerns me. What makes me very very happy is to see the work of people, for example, like the Incremental Development Alliance, that they are going into towns and teaching people how to become small developers. They're teaching people how their tiny little contributions. This is one single family or one two-family building with a little corner store in a town will make an enormous difference. And these are people that are going through the entire country teaching local folks how to do this, teaching local folks how to do this in the most efficient way, how to do this in the way that builds generational wealth. So if you go to these little towns and you start seeing these little pockets of, of development that are happening in very tiny buildings in, in downtowns, this may or may not be the work of the Incremental Development Alliance. And that mindset that they are creating, it gives me incredible hope. It gives me a lot of hope to see business owners that are keen on purchasing their own real estate because the solution that that can mean for a family that has a business and can live upstairs is just 
cost structure of the both the family and the business starts to be so convenient and it starts to be it starts to free them to think of different things that they can do and one of the things that they do is they can start searching for beauty and they can start searching of ways to to um, to spread the beauty that they are creating in their downtowns so these are places where you walk and are going to be fantastic they're going to have beautiful flowers outside they're going to have a benches and so when when the time of the of the business owners is is free because they are able to live and work in the same place and they are able to create very convenient cost structures it's it, it's it's amazing what they do when they have that free time and their and that free free uh, budget so i have two questions and i'm guessing they're probably very closely connected and i think you may have already even started to answer the first one but one of the things we read in your bio is that you are helping business owners create amazing in-store experiences. And I'd like to hear a little bit about that. And then also you mentioned making, helping to make uh, people's downtowns legendary. So maybe if you could start off by answering, how, how are you helping to make this great in-store experience? And especially for business owners who have those local storefronts, how might they be thinking about that for themselves right now? So what I do is I invite them to Disney World. If you, not really, but figuratively, if you if you go to Disney World, the first thing you see when you're entering the park is a little plaque that Walt Disney himself designed or came up with a text that says, here you are leaving today and you are entering the world of tomorrow and fantasy. And when you walk through the little train station that that the downtown Disney has, um, actually the Main Street USA has, you are walking in this amazing, quaint, comfortable, friendly, beautiful downtown, right? And what you feel when you are walking through that downtown is nothing but happiness. If somebody would be walking, you know, in front of you and you would bump shoulders normally in a regular street you would you know turn around and say hey what's up in if you're there and that happens you're gonna turn around and say don't worry everything's okay so everybody is primed to be more civil everybody is primed to be happier everybody is primed to be more in tune with, with what's happening there and they have taken the time to design each building. They have taken the time to design each, each little storefront. They have taken the time to design how the street works, how the people move through the streets, what they see when, they, when the street finishes, what's the, the, the feeling that they will have when they start to see the castle in the background. And that is, that is what I mean when I talk about experiences, that you are walking in a downtown and the downtown has been has the, the organization that 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 works in the downtown has taken so much time to look at the details to provide a very pleasant and comfortable and happy time to whoever is walking on that downtown right if you have the collaboration of the local businesses they will also do their contribution or make their contribution for that experience to be amazing. 
And so everything starts to work in tandem. You have the work of the city or the organization that is creating these, I don't know, these great crosswalks and the um, illumination. So everything looks fantastic at night and they're bringing in colors and they're bringing in benches and they're bringing in, you know, trees and, 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 and flowers and uh, music and they are curating the places so that the vacancies do not look like vacancies. They look like, I don't know, they can change the vacancies, for example, into storefronts for the local museums. So you start to, 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 to feel the history that's happening there. You start to connect with the local, with the local uh, famous people who have lived in that place before. You start to connect with everything that that place means. And, and you really feel like you have learned something after. You feel like you have connected with a community after. And you really feel like it has been an amazing time and a happy time and you wanna repeat it. So that's what I mean by the experience, right? That every downtown is able to have that because they have the bones, because they were created in a time where people were thinking this has to be a happy place that had this has to be a good place because this is where we have to live right and this is where our sons and daughters and grandchildren will live so it has to be fantastic right right now we have lost a little bit of that we have horrible buildings that are coming up in every downtown we have big buildings that are coming up in every downtown that are breaking the otherwise very very human scale of what's happening so if you walk in in older downtowns they will have a new door and a new display window and a new storefront i don't know maybe every 12 feet maybe every 15 feet if you if you walk in larger places right now they may have a door every 100 feet and the door will be set back from the street maybe 50 feet so there there is no street street level experience there is none at all. But we can change that. We can we can find the places with the good bones and we can and we can inject some of the life and we can inject some of the dynamism that it used to have. And it's really not hard. It's just a matter of, of looking at what the, the local businesses are doing and looking at how those local businesses ha can connect with the street and connect with the sidewalk and connect amongst each other and just create something fantastic for visitors and locals, of course. So as each business owner plays his or her part, you begin creating those great experiences for every store, which leads to more legendary downtown areas. I'm curious, what, is it, what does it look like? Maybe if there's a business owner listening right now, what would you just recommend as their first steps to encourage the right uh, direction for a better downtown experience and a more successful business for themselves? Number one thing I recommend is Tell me your story, right? Every business owner has an origin story. They may have thought of the business while on a trip. They may have thought of the business because they grew up on a farm and uh, they drank raw milk their whole life. So they are, you know, thinking of something that has to do with it and creating their businesses. Everybody has an origin, origin story. And those origin stories, people are very keen in connecting with. Right? We connect to stories. Whenever I'm telling you a story, I, I say I'm a good storyteller. I hope that is true. When I tell you a story, you usually connect with it. If I tell you names and I describe people and I tell you what those people did, 
that is something you can really connect with. So I would tell them to tell me their story and not just tell me their story, tell everyone their story. And the best way to do that in the past, the business owners would be standing on their doors and greeting everyone that comes, right? How do they do that? If they have to be looking, you know, thinking of payroll and thinking of taxes and thinking of compliance and thinking of, you know, supply chains, so many things, it's very hard to do that. So let's use your storefront as a tool to send your message. Let's use your storefront as a tool to tell your story. Number one thing is take down everything that you have on your glass so people can look in. And normally the stores that are run by their owners will have their personal their personality printed in everything that happens inside the store. That is the story. That is the story that they are telling. If they make all their glasses transparent and people can look and look in, it makes a world of difference. And it's so much easier for people to engage with the brand when there is something fantastic that they can look inside to and, and, and engage with that. As a first recommendation that I always make is take down every sign that you have written, you know, hand or, or, or paper that you have hung with, with scotch tape and just take everything down. Let people look in. Well, I feel like in some ways we've just scratched the surface, Jaime, but I appreciate you sharing your insight today. Could you maybe share with us any final thoughts uh, to wrap up our conversation and then let people know where they can go to find out more about you and your work and maybe take the next step uh, working with you or continuing to gain insight from you? Yes. Um, I guess the last thing that I can that I can say is, uh, which is a it, it's 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 a big thing actually is tell yourself your origin story, write it down. When you write it down, you'll find that there's lots of details that you may forget in the day to day things that you're looking at, and reconnect with that story. And when you reconnect with that story. Use all the knowledge that you have, all the knowledge about your, your, your business, about your industry, about your uh, supply chain, about the origin of the products that you sell or the services that you are providing, and, 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 and tell me that. Tell me and tell every customer that. That will be probably the, the biggest thing you can do. And from there, you'll see that there are design solutions that you will come up with that are derived from there. You will see that you are that, that that your branding can be updated just by by thinking of those stories and finding better ways to tell those stories. I I uh, I pride myself on creating the tools that allow business owners to do that themselves. I told you about my book before. It's called the Ten No BS Rules for uh, Successful Storefront Design, and I also have. A great card deck. Card decks are all the rage right now. And so I created one that essentially allows somebody with an idea to create a business from scratch. Um, just the, the, the basic model of the business and the store. So I would be very happy to, to provide those tools for, for business owners. They can find more information about what I do. And also they can find those in, uh, in my website, which is storefrontmastery.com storefrontmastery.com they will find all the books and the playbooks and everything that I have produced is there and uh, more information about what I do I'd be very happy to talk to them and it it will be an honor because they will teach me more than I can ever teach them 
Well, thank you for teaching us a little bit about what you're doing today. I hope that business owners will be encouraged by what you've shared to take action and to continue developing their community. Once again, thank you for your time today. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much, Josh. It has been a pleasure. Well, friends, it's a wrap. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Business Bitcoinization Show. If you want to reach out to either me or Jaime, you can find our links down in the show notes. Please like, subscribe, and share this with a business owner you know. As always, keep building, keep growing, and until next time, keep living and leading well. If you're a regular listener of the podcast, thank you. If you want to take a further step in your support for the show, you can help us grow by listening on Fountain, a value-for-value podcast app on iOS or Android. If you hear something you like that you disagree with or anything else, you can share it by sending some sats and adding a comment with your thoughts. Some of you have already done this, and I appreciate it. I'm going to begin reading your boosts on upcoming episodes, so if you have some insight or value to add, let the people know. Getting started with Fountain is easy. You can add Bitcoin to your Fountain wallet by using your fiat accounts or any lightning wallet and one of my favorite features is that once you're using the app you can earn stats just by listening on fountain check out the link in the show notes to get started with fountain today